Hi, and welcome to another edition of The Truth in Real Estate and More Unscripted. My name is Keith Hadding, NC Realty Services. You know, anybody wants to buy, sell, trade, or invest, please send them our way. We always appreciate the referral. Um, I was looking at um, a mastermind group on, uh, I believe it was Facebook earlier today. And uh, someone had made a comment there about being in the business for, I think it was six or seven months and not really making any progress or any money and, and asking basically, you know, the, the question was, you know, you know, what do you do? How do you pay your bills? Kind of mindset. It's not the question that's so troubling, although I want to get to that answer as well. Um, and this conversation is more for those people who think they want to be in real estate and those people who maybe have made the decision to try to get into real estate and should know the truth, right? And that's my podcast, right? The truth in real estate. And I've been directing most of that at the buyer and seller side, but let's talk about the agent, the agency, broker and brokerage firm for just a minute. It kind of goes back to the mindset too of, do I want to be a big fish in a little pond or do I want to be a little fish in a big pond kind of mindset? Typically, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that think that you can get a real estate license and then people are just going to pour money in your bank account and you're going to become rich and famous selling um, homes for the rich and famous, I guess, maybe cribs, right? Um, that's just not the reality of the real world. The real estate business is a job. It really is. It, and I don't want to make it sound too mundane. You know, too. I don't want to oversimplify it. I certainly don't want to overcomplicate it, but it's a job. It has to be worked. And it, you hope it's a job that someone has a passion for, a desire uh, for. You know, I know that when I helped an 80-something-year-old woman get into a new home, and out of a little wood shack, basically, that where she could see the, the ground under her home just by looking down through the floorboards, that the only indoor plumbing was somebody had brought a, a hand crank sink into the house um, by, by doing a, you know, a hand well, and, and she was still using an outhouse. And so for the last few years of her life, it felt nice to be able to put her in something uh, that had modern indoor plumbing and conveniences and was clean and warm and safe and dry. And, you know, when you have that feeling and that feeling just goes, carries on with you for forever. I mean, that incident happened to me so many years ago. People would say, how do you remember that? Well, how do you forget it? How do you forget the look on her face the first time she walked into her new home and she saw what she was going to get? I remember helping a gentleman who had children that were professionals, doctors, lawyers, nurses, and yet they had forgotten all about the home place back there was really a place they hated and worked so hard to get away from because, you know, it was just a very small cramped space for this large family and and they just didn't have any modern conveniences either. And it, it was just very, very difficult. I mean, yet they went off and went about their way and forgot about their dear old dad. Mom had passed away and he was still living in this in this little house that was just ready to fall down around him. And uh, to be able to put him in a new house that was just, again, such a phenomenal experience. And 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 those were way back, last year. Last year, some people came to me and said, "I want we wanna buy a house for our family, 
for our folks because they've never really had a new house or new furniture or new car. And, you know, all of us kids are starting to do well in life. And, and uh, you know, we just want something better for them. So they came and they looked at some houses, but they never saw the house they're living in today until the day that it was a reveal and they moved in. It, it was just a phenomenal thing to experience, to be part of, to see this family celebrating with joy that their parents for the first time ever had a new house with all new furniture, had a new car in the driveway. And, and if you can't be passionate about that, you're in the wrong business. Get out of the real estate business. If, if all you can be passionate about is cash and a commission check, then you probably have the wrong mindset to be in the business in the first place. You know, the commission should be something that is incidental to the work we do. Um, you know, we don't go out and do work in the community because we want to be recognized. We go out and do work in the community because it's the communities we live in. It's where we're eating from. It's where our livelihood comes from. And so we want to be, yeah, we want to be special to those people. We want to be special because we want to know them and love them and care for them and watch out for their investments. And it's easy to spot those realtors that are not. Uh, and there are some that are not. So, they, but you know, they're the ones that normally are tripping and stumbling all over when it comes to the simple things, um, like helping people to understand their neighbors and their neighborhood and the school districts they're going to. Anyways, big fish, little pond, little fish, big pond. How do you know as a realtor, you get a license? How do I know where to go to work? Who do I hook up with? Who do I sign up with? Um, you know, I've, I've recommended to people before that they go to some of the big name companies uh, that have got a lot of money and resources and all the toys in the industry, as I call it. And uh, so, you know, somebody who's just really green and, and needs really more the education from someplace that can spend money on them. And, and yet that's not the route I would take. Um, but, but sometimes I could see recommending that path. But when it comes to that individual who has to make money now, that's in this business as a, as a life choice career that they have to feed their family and pay their bills and, and have gas in the vehicle to be able to drive somebody around. That's a different situation than somebody who's married to uh, someone who's bringing in a lot of money and they're capable of surviving and they want the nicer things in life. They want to upgrade a little bit. So they want to take on this role as a realtor. And when the commission checks come in, you know, it's tall cotton. So that's a different, that's a different person. That's a different role completely than the person who says, I don't have anything else going on and I have to make my way here. This woman sounded very, um, almost desperate sounding in her plea. You know, I've been doing this seven months. I don't even have a closing on the horizon and I've got bills to pay. Then to add to that, the scary thing was the responses to this woman. You know, you, I started reading these things and people talking about, oh, it took me a year to get my first closing and oh, it's never going to come. And I don't know how people do this. And they were just so negative and downbeat. Nobody gave her any positive inspiration. Nobody said, hey, here, here's something I would try to do. There were a couple people that said, you know, hey, you ought to get plugged into this or plugged into that. But at the end of the day, give her some real advice. Give her something concrete. Where, where's her broker in charge in all this? Where's the brokerage company at? 
in all of this. And so that's the reason for my podcast today. Um, You know, where do I go? What do I do? What if I need to make money now and I can't afford to wait forever and a a day? What, how do I get plugged into something that's going to help me do that? Uh, You know, I'm going to be the first one to admit and tell you, I don't have all the answers, but my heart goes out for people that are in that situation. And I'll tell you that in my own real estate firm, I have some positions that are paid and it's nice to be able to put a realtor in a position where they can earn, I call it gas money because it's not a lot of money, but it's something. It's it, it, it does pay some of the smaller bills in a person's life and gets them the gas money, gets them a little money to be able to invest in their own career and business. And th- so that's kind of a nice way to get a leg up. The other thing is that there's things that I recognize as a, a broker in charge that there are times that I could put somebody onto a project that will will yield them some money a little faster, a little quicker. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so in doing that, you know, I'm constantly looking for how do I get this person to a point where they can where they can make more money. I, I have a partner in my business that um, <clears throat> that does appraisal work with me. And he, he, on the side, he's doing, uh, say on the side, really the appraisal work is probably a side deal because um, there's not a lot of money in the apprenticeship when you're a trainee. But, um, you know, he also works in the construction industry and he does a lot of physical labor. And and I, I keep trying to convince him to take that next step on that job and, and do more of a leadership role, uh, leverage himself a little bit better. And I certainly hope that that's what he'll do for me when we, when we um, expand that division, I want him to be able to take that that role on and and be very comfortable working in our in our business. Be able to drop some of that other stuff, get rid of some of that physical work, and go to work. But but there's my point. You you have to look at the big picture of this thing and say, what's it going to take to get there, and how can I get there? I can certainly turn to a new realtor who comes to work with me and signs up and say, all right, here's the 45 things that you have to do before lunch and then come back and see me and I'll give you another list for after lunch and I can wear you out with all these wonderful things that you need to do. But early on when I sit down and talk to people that are coming to work with me, I try to sit down and have a conversation with them that says, what do you have to get from this? What's your motivation? What's your big why? Why are you doing this? Somebody says, I'm doing this because I want to feed my family. I see this as a career and I'm passionate about it, but I have to make money doing it. I can't just, I can't just go to open houses and I can't just hang around in social meetings and I can't do all my, you know, my job being networking. I have to do all these, I have to do something that's going to generate money for me. And so then we talk about the things that we can do to generate money a little bit faster. A person can come to work with me and write offers the very day they come to work. Does that mean they're going to cash a check and get it closed? No. And we all have to be realistic about what those closing dates are and the, you know, and the closing time frames. And if you've noticed some of the numbers statistically being put out now, uh, the average closing time is, is reducing uh, over what it was in previous months. A lot of that's because the lenders are getting more familiar with the new rules and they're able to expedite their process a little better than they were doing when we first um, had the rule changes to the mortgage side. The other thing is it's, you know, an experienced realtor will help expedite things by putting 
you know, the, the horse in front of the cart instead of the other way around. So, but, but my point is you've got to have that conversation with this person. And some firms are so big, they never really have that. They kind of think, you know, one of the, one of the startup companies I recently worked with, I, I noticed they're sending out this information about how they're building this network system that when you recruit a, another agent to come to work there, they're going to pay you, uh, you know, a percentage or a fee or whatever, you know, it's the Amway of, of real estate. Well, I guess if your goal is to just collect as many agents as you can, then, and there's a lot of companies doing that. They just have to speak to interview and hire just a phenomenal number of people. Um, it's, it's mind boggling to me how many people they have to talk to and, and they wine and dine and groom or recruit however they do it. But at the end of the day, they can't really get to know each other. If you're following my podcast, you remember just recently we did one on the, the acronym Ford, two Ds, so I stutter with that, Ford, Family Occupation, Recreation, Dreams, and Desires. For goodness sake, you should know that about the people you work with, that you're with every day. Um, I mean, and, and if you're a broker in charge, you should know that about every agent that's under you. What's their big why? And and how is it that this job supports the rest of the things, the family, the occupation, the recreation, the dreams and desires? You say, oh, I know their occupation, they're a realtor. Well, not if they're working for a company and they can't get a closing. <laughs> they're not really a realtor, they just have a real estate license. Are they doing any work? Now, I'm not, I'm not gonna put all the blame on the broker in charge either because I've worked with a lot of agents over the years and uh, last year, I had a handful of them that were very challenged in the sense that they had great ideas, but they had to be their ideas. And when somebody would come along and say, hey, I would do X, Y, and Z uh, to get to get your foot in the door and get started. And they go, oh, that's not going to work for me. I'm going to go do ABC. Okay, well, then when your ABC doesn't work for you, then you can't come back to your broker in charge and say, I, I can't work for you. You're not helping me make any money. So we can't put all the burden on them. And that's why I kind of started off by saying this is a job. It has to be worked. It has to be cultivated. It's got to be nurtured and loved and cared for. Now that that's whether you're farming an area, that's whether you're marketing and broadcasting, that's whether you're uh, doing what I call the, 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 uh, the one mile radius um, introductions, well, you, whatever you're doing. I mean, there's so many different marketing approaches. There's so many different opportunities that are out there. The, the question stands, what's the best opportunity for you? And in, 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 in you saying that, asking yourself that question, what's the best thing for me? I have to make money now. I don't know how to do that. I took these classes and training. I went and took a test. I got a license. So I understand there's some things I can't do, but what should I do? No, nobody taught me in class how to get out there and hustle for a dollar to get this thing cranked up. And everybody wants to talk to me about these things that I need to do that eventually a year down the road from now, I'll start seeing some rewards. I need some rewards right now. How do I do that? So when you when you sit down and start having those conversations and you start to realize what what really needs to happen for you to do that, then you got to look at that firm that you're working for and say, is this the right firm for me? Can they really make this happen for me? And then if not, then you need to be soliciting a change. You need to be talking to people about, can I go to work with you? Hey, Keith, can I go to work with you? Let's get out here and make some money. Okay, well, let's see. Let's sit down and talk about it. 
if you're that kind of person that fits into the mold of what we're what our vision for our company is and where we're going, then we certainly welcome it and embrace that.、Um, you know, I'm running an ad right now for a sales manager, so you know we're always looking to grow and expand, and、uh, and we love to have people to do that. But we don't want people sitting around not making money. Last year, I had a few people sitting around that weren't making money, and they they weren't willing to listen to what the advice was that we had. I'm I'm pretty simple about it. I'm not our company, and I'm just going to talk about me because I know me. But you could be talking about a million other companies out there. You know, your job, same as I put in my book for buyers and sellers, that their role is to vet everybody. The same thing is true with you looking to go to work. You should vet the company you're working for and say, is this company going to help me be productive? Am I going to be able to meet my goals? Yes, I want my staff to help me meet my goals in, as a business. But I also know, in order to keep them, I got to be able to help them make their goals out of that as well. That's why we do a lot of bonusing here and that kind of stuff. But, anyways, we you know when you sit down, let's talk about it.、Uh, if this young lady that was on there would come and see me, I put her to work right now, and 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 we'll、uh, do our very best to help her make some money as quickly as possible. I can't make that promise because I don't know her yet, and if I'm going to say. Hey, let's go do this, and then let's measure the results. And we don't do it, or we don't measure it. Then how did I help her at all? I didn't. She didn't help herself, and so she is the only one to blame. I've had people like that before. I had one woman say to me, "Hey, the idea you just gave me—I've heard that before. So and so firm over there told me the same thing when I worked with them." And I said, "Okay, and did you try it? And how did it work?" Well, no, that's not going to work for me. I just didn't try it. Okay, so you got two different firms that you've worked for. Telling you that you should be doing this, a whatever it is, X Y Z, and you've you've decided to do something else, then you have no one to blame but yourself. Take the responsibility, dog on it. Own up for it. Don't deflect it and pass it off to someone else. Get up and go do the work. But if you were working for me and I told you to do X Y Z, and you were out there doing it and you're measuring it, and we're coming back and we're not getting results, that's on me. That is on me. And I accept that responsibility, and I take that. It, I, it, you know, I lose sleep over it sometimes, but, but I take it. I take it very seriously. That people don't work for me; they work with me. When you know, that's why I said I got a, a, an appraisal trainee. I call him partner. I, I'd make him a partner tomorrow. You know, when we get that division going, you know, I'd jump all over that opportunity because I have that kind of trust in, in him.、Um, and so that's what I want working with me. If I've got people coming in here and I can't. I can't get along with them.、Uh, we don't relate. We can't be productive. We don't need that relationship. I would be the first one to say, "You probably need to go visit one of the big players. You need to go do this or do that." Some people are just not always going to be geared for me. I mean, listen to my podcast. I'm kind of a, kind of a nut anyway, so I understand that.、Uh, and I'm an old guy trying to learn all these new tricks, right? I'm I'm right on the edge of trying to do a Facebook Live. I'm just nervous about what the heck I should do it about. Um, and so we're going to go that next step. You know, I got a video series that I'm getting ready to work on, and I got a you know a book coming out. So there's all that kinds of things going on, and、uh, and it's all and it's all new to me, just like it is to that young lady who was reaching out this morning in this mastermind group, going, "Hey, I need some help. I need some information." I told them I was going to do this podcast, and I have done it. I hope that that she follows up and listens to it, and I say to her, "Stick stick it out, okay." 
you talk to some people, find some people that can give you real serious advice about how you can make it. Set some goals and some deadlines. If I got to have X number of dollars by X by X day and then live by those results. If that doesn't happen, I got to go flip hamburgers at McDonald's or I got to go be a greeter at Walmart. Whatever you got to do to to make it happen, you need to you need to set those goals and stick to it. But you got to be careful too who you hook your horse to. I mean, every firm is different, every company is different no matter how big or how small they are. Talk to them about what their vision is. What's the future like look like for them and how does it involve you? I mean, if you're just a cog in the wheel and and there's no real you know uh, passion for the people then it, it, it's probably best for you to move on and and find another another place hey listen there's companies out there that got interview with a gazillion people a month they'll be happy to sit down with you and talk to you so you can get interviews that's very easy while you're in the interview you should ask some of those questions you know if you couldn't work here where would you go <laughs> put them on the spot. Gosh, if I couldn't work for Remax, I'd have to go to Century 21. If I couldn't work for Century 21, I'd have to go to Keller Williams. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a question to ask them. If they couldn't, where would they have to go and and why? Go to an interview and don't just don't just answer all the questions, ask a few questions. Get to know the people and find out whether it's worth hitching up to them. I can tell you that I've just opened a new office. Here's a plug. I opened the new office. in Supply North Carolina on Highway 17. We call it Ocean Highway. And I didn't open the office for me. I opened the office to bring on some new players and some new members and to help them be productive. And so, you know, what have I done? I've done all the groundwork for somebody who would want to be in business for themselves even and taken all the work out of it. Got him a copier and a big screen TV and computers and desks and and furniture and got the place looking nice and warm and friendly. and got the signs out front uh, to market and advertise but you know you need the bodies to get in there but we don't just want to hire anybody to go in there we want the people that are going in there that understand the vision for our business and want to help us move towards succeeding in that vision and uh, and that includes everyone i'm not a greedy or selfish person and i i want to share the love so to speak But at the same time I'm a businessman and I didn't open that business to pay all the bills and not make any money at all. So it has to be fruitful, but I don't have to be, you know, uh Barbara Corcoran rich overnight, right? I don't have to have gazillions of dollars coming in and bathing in money that somebody else is producing. Um you know, I want them to I want them to earn and be happy and satisfied and I I can tell you I don't bring people in and pay them just to make them happy and satisfied. I want them to be hungry and then I want to see that hunger take them towards their goals and uh, and their desires. So I like the idea that this young lady needs to make money. I I find that um, uh, compelling to me. That's the kind of people I like to hire. Hey, I really need to make money. I really need to do this. Great. Are you willing to do what I ask you to do in order to do that? Sure. I I had one young man I asked him to make phone calls for me and make offers, write offers. I want to buy something. So here's how here's how I want you to do it. I gave him the algorithm and said, if you can find a property that fits in this category, call him, make an offer. And uh and he got shot down and shot down and shot down and shot down. When I were talking about investment properties, we're not talking about my primary residence. And he comes back to me and he says, I, you know, I I quit doing it. He did that the first 
week or so, and then he just stopped doing it. Three months later, he's complaining about making money. I said, how many calls have you made this week on that project? Well, none. I haven't made any since the first week. Why? Everybody said I was just lowballing everything, and, 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 and there was no yeses. It was all no, 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 and I just got burnt out on the no. Welcome to the sales world, right? But what it just meant was that the people he was talking to on the other end were not people that were used to working with investors. Investors have to make money on the flip on the turn, on the, on the rent, whatever, where they're going to use the property for. It's an investment. Uh, I'm not going to pay the same thing as an investment property as a person who's going to move in it and live in it. It's common sense. I don't get offended when somebody calls me with a low ball offer. They're just testing the waters to see, can I buy it as an investment? Who knows? Some of the, the sellers might just say, you know what? We're, we want to move on, take the offer. You don't know till you ask, but they certainly could be writing the offers left and right. Let me let me let me say this. How many real estate agents do you think out there like this woman who's been in the business for seven months? How many offers, physical offers has she written? I don't know the answer because I don't know the young lady. But how many do you think in your mind that she's written? How many offers does the average realtor write in a year? This guy in the first week, he wrote 15 offers and he was turned down. And he walked away and the thought, I didn't get anything from that. I let him, I saw him walk away from there and I thought to myself, he already has more experience at writing offers than 90% of the realtors out there. Wax on, wax off, right? He, you know, he was learning something and he didn't even realize it. I think today, if you asked him, he could assess a piece of property. He could determine whether it was a, a solid investment and at what price it would make a decent investment. That's valuable information that he walked away with. Now, that doesn't feed his family or pay his light bill. I agree. And so, you know, but I think if he would have stayed the course and he added an element of that to his schedule every week, that he would have found that he he just started seeing some people that were willing to say yes. And I think he would have found a way that he would be approaching them a little better, not to set them on edge right in the beginning, because that's kind of how we do when we first start making these calls. We don't always have the right script or we don't always have the right thing to say. And so uh, that's a problem. For, for those of you sitting out there thinking that, uh, that a, a flip investor uh, is just a low ball trying to rip people off, let me tell you this story, the very first one I ever did. Young lady came to me. She knew me from church because I, I was preaching uh, some services. I was sharing the pulpit responsibilities. And so she knew me and, and thereby uh, knew my family and trusted me. And she came to me in confidence. And I can tell this now because the story's over, right? But um, she came to me in confidence and she said, hey, Keith, I don't know what to do. I'm way behind on my mortgage. I expect they're going to take the house from me any minute now. I, I don't know what I'm going to do because with a foreclosure, I'm not sure who will rent to me and I don't want to live in just any neighborhood. So I, I really don't know what to do and I could use some advice and some help. Can you help me? I asked her how much her payments were and she told me. I asked her how many payments you're behind and she was way behind. And so I said, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to call your bank and ask your bank how much money you need up front in order for them to take the rest of your balance that's in arrears and put it on the end of your mortgage. They do this and 
and then call it square so you're even from day one you're not getting late payments nobody's chasing you with phones and so if you make your payment next month everything's good you're back on on jump street and so i want you to call them and ask them how much money you need right now to make that happen how many payments do you have to catch up she made the phone call and i was surprised so was she the bank said they would take two thousand dollars um and then they would put the rest of the payments on on arrears and you know to that two thousand dollars is about three payments so the rest of them could go on arrears and then she's okay and then what do i do when when we've got that i said well i'm going to give you the two thousand dollars and i'm buying an option from you and i'm going to ask you to pack up and move and go find a place to rent because you don't have a foreclosure on you right now there's no reason why somebody wouldn't rent to you in the neighborhoods you want to be in you're not going to have this mortgage payment anymore because when i give you that two thousand dollars and buy that option I'm going to take over the mortgage payment for you. So I immediately put somebody to rent in that house right behind her. And they were paying me about $100 more than her mortgage payment was. So I was getting a little piece of, of money off of the return on my investment. And then in about 12, it was just less than 12 months, probably 11 months, he made me an offer and he purchased the home in which I made a profit on that. All my expenses were covered and I made a profit on it inside that year. Now, can you tell me who lost in that transaction? You're going to say, well, the woman that bought the house lost any equity she had in it. Yes, she lost the equity in that house before she ever talked to me about it. She didn't come to see me when she was a month or two late. She came to see me when she was well on her way to a foreclosure. Banks don't want to foreclose. They want their money. So the bank didn't lose. She didn't really lose. She got to go rent something that she's that she likes and actually is less money for her, so she's comfortable. The man who rented the house from me didn't didn't lose. He got to feel the neighborhood out in the house before he made a permanent investment. Okay, I've really broken the rules today. I've gotten extremely long-winded. <laughs> it, it, it got so long it just cut me off in mid-sentence. So I want to finish this up. I'll take just a minute. Um, just in case the episodes get separated, Keith Hadding, NC Realty Services. And we're talking about um, being a realtor that can be productive in the fastest possible uh, opportunities to do that. So um, I was telling you a story about the man who, the young lady who came to me with her mortgage payment being behind. I pretty much finished the story. The man ends up buying the house. We pay the house off. The young lady's credit is in great shape because she has a paid off mortgage, right? I mean, all we, all I did was take an option. I didn't transfer it. So she has a paid off mortgage to, to show as a resolve for that. And like I said, she's happy where she's renting now. So it was a win, 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 win scenario. So realtors, I, I, I would express to you wholeheartedly when you're having a listing in, in conversation with a seller, you need to explore some of these options, explore some, you know, will they do some owner financing or just do it owner finance altogether? Do you know what the tax advantages could be? For a senior couple who would allow owner financing on the home they're getting rid of? Do you know what the advantages to you could be in terms of being able to manage that property that's being owner financed? There's a lot of opportunities we're missing by not exploring all of the opportunities that are out there. 
That's like these banks that talk about they don't want to take any offers that have assignment clauses in them. I, I, I don't understand that. In new construction, which I do all the time, the new construction, we do assignment clauses all the time. Why would you not? You know, there. If, if I'm going to try to broker a transaction, I don't own this property, but I know people who are interested in this kind of property. And I, you know, I don't have the listing. You got the listing. So I come along and I make an offer and I put in the offer that it may be reassigned because while we're doing our due diligence, I'm out here looking for talking to my references and looking for the guy that says, I want that property. And I flip it over and I assign it to him and I make some money on that deal. I brokered it. I brought the, the buyer to the table, right? <laughs> so I should get it. So I'm just saying there's lots of opportunities for different ways to do things if we just stay open-minded about how we can move properties, especially when you see these properties that have been on the market. I, I know one property has been listed by five or six different real estate companies, and it's just set there forever and ever and ever. And I keep I keep saying to myself, I need to call these people um, now that they've taken it down off the market and just and just talk with them a little bit because I think if I understood and maybe I think too much of myself, but I just think if I had a conversation when I understood what their motivations were, we could find a way to make that work for them and be um, productive. It's got to be more productive than them sitting there making payments on a house they're not living in. The house is vacant. Then vacant forever and for sale. Be nice if, if to think that the house is completely paid for and there's very minimal expense, but houses that are sitting there empty are losing value daily. You know, they're, they're going to fall apart very quickly because they're empty. Everybody knows that. So, you know, um, they would be better off with people living in the house, no matter what the scenario was. So just finding out what their motivations is are and helping them to get that, to achieve those goals. That's what we are. That's what we are as realtors, right? We're out there trying to help people put things together. We want to find a buyer who wants to buy and a seller who wants to sell. Anyhow, enough about this. I, I was way too long-winded, so I'm just really kind of doing this as a tagline uh, to close up what we were talking about. Um, big fish, little pond, or little fish, big pond. Uh, you know, what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, somebody who's running his own business, he's a big fish in a little pond. He's got a small footprint in the business world, but he's a big dog in there. He runs his own business. That's me. I got my own firm. So, you know, I got my own appraisal company. I got my own real estate company. Uh, I, you know, I do modular uh, land home packages. Um, you know, construction, fix and flips. Yeah, I do it all, but it's me managing all of those elements right now. And and as I take on people, I'm going to take on other things to do. Somebody's going to come along me that's got a lot of um, property management experience. They're going to really want to do property management. I'm going to say, okay, well, let's do that. Let's go. If you've got the experience and you got the know-how and you think you can handle it, I'm going to help you get there. That's what I do. That's what I do. If you want to talk to about where to go hang your license and ask these questions, what is it you do, Mr. Owner of the principal of the company? What is it you do? Because if what they're doing is not helping their agents to achieve their goals, and if their agents are not helping their clients to achieve their goals, we're missing the picture here, the big picture. So my business will expand based on the people that are in the business. It's a living organism. We're alive. We're growing, we're expanding, and you know, don't blink because in a very short period of time, you're going to start to see NC Realty Services signs everywhere. Um, you're going to see us crop up and go because uh, uh, I think there's a new way to do real estate, and I've been involved with enough companies in the last five to ten years trying to help others 
that, that I think I have found the niche for where we need to be in here. And so we're going to move forward and go after it. So enough is enough. Right? I did 30 minutes there. I'm a five, six minutes here. It's way too long. I apologize. I hope you're still awake. My name is Keith Adding. I'm with NC Realty Services. I'd always appreciate a referral. Uh, I am looking for a sales manager. If you know somebody who knows how to manage and motivate people, they don't have to be a broker in charge. Uh, I am looking to put somebody in that new office building up there. And uh, so there you have it. Um, I guess all I can say is thank you for listening in and sticking with me this long. And until you hear from me again, or I you, uh, God bless.